And so we know that what the Lord has set us in in this world to do is to speak his word of law and his word of gospel. And that's all then you need as far as evangelism training goes. You simply need to know the, the law, the Ten Commandments, and the gospel, the creed. And then to have a bit of courage to speak it to your neighbor when they ask you about it uh, or when the opportunity arises. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Like it or not, you're in for another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline, and uh, with everyone's favorite, Pastor Wolfner. Pastor Wolfner, you get 50 Table Talk Radio points right off the bat. Yes, all right. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Don't you want to know why? Yeah, yeah, you want me to ask. Okay, I'll bite. <laughs> why, Evan, do I get 50 f- uh, free Table Talk Radio points? I'm glad you asked. Because uh, I tried to call you the other day, and you were in a, a council meeting, and so you successfully sent me a text message. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I, we used to play this game. Uh, what was that game called? Text, text Message Theology. Yeah, and I always had to explain how you do text messaging. Okay, you push the button, <laughs> and you, you have to push three twice if you want. The, you know, so you, you get 50 points, and then 500 Table Talk Radio points goes to the middle schooler who taught you how to use it. <laughs> I have unlimited texts now, so if you want to text your question or comment to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> okay. Well, we have a uh, <laughs> mediocre show in store for you today. Better we, than average. <laughs> first, we're, we're responding to some of our listeners via our forum. There's a particularly interesting uh, question that came into our forum that I want to address. And then we're doing our praise song cruncher. One of the songs was submitted by our listeners, uh, emailed into questions at tabletalkradio.org. And we're ending up with Myth Busters. And right. uh, Pastor, tell us what the myth is that we are going to either bust or confirm today. The myth is Lutherans do not do evangelism. Oh, everybody knows that. <laughs> We're going to find out if that's true uh, going through our MythBuster today on Table Talk Radio. Okay, so our, our first up is, is responding to our listeners. Wait, you're forgetting about the buzzwords. Oh, buzzwords. You always forget about the buzzwords, really. <laughs> okay. I, fr- I was going to try to hook up a little thing to the computer so I could make a little buzz sound, but... I couldn't sort it out yet. Text messaging was maybe was you should ask that me. middle schooler that taught you how to text message. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> okay, my buzzword for you is infused grace. Infused grace. Don't we have the T-shirt now on our store? <laughs> infused grace should be a banned substance. No, we don't. But I'm still waiting for that uh, expecting mother to email me at Evan at Table Doctor Radio to get the free maternity T-shirt <laughs> with, with our logo on the front. <laughs> oh, brother. you got to get over that, my friend. <laughs> I don't know why, who wouldn't want uh, to wear our logo on, on there. <laughs> Especially if you have twins. That, yeah, th- <laughs> that, yeah, that might be harmful to the pregnancy. That's right. My buzzword for you today is anthropology. Uh, that is the study uh, of man, anthropos being the Greek word for man, 
Uh, and and we have two two ways that we have the word. More, most commonly, people use the word anthropology today in a kind of in a secular sense. There's the secular study of anthropology where you you know people would go over to to Africa and live with the uh, Aborigine people and and study how cultures grow and things like this. Uh, there is the theological study of anthropology though, which looks at the scriptures to see the state of man and his will and what what he's free and uh, towards and what he's not free towards this sort of thing so that is your word anthropology okay you never let me uh explain what infused grace was and that oh, is yeah, right. something that that grace is simply a, a quality of man um opposed to um uh i guess declared or or maybe that uh, that that grace is um a quality of god and and in in god's grace he he declares us righteous uh, imputes us righteous Imputed versus infusion. That's the big, one of the big ways to frame the debate in the Reformation. The Roman Catholic Church had the infused grace, which is a power now that you can do meritorious good works uh, with. Or, uh, but the Lutherans came and said, look, grace is nothing other than God's smile. God looks at you and he smiles. That's the grace of God, and that's the imputed grace. Okay, and um, 500 points available uh, for those using those buzzwords, depending on how naturally it's used into the conversation. Okay, so with this question on our forum at tabletalkradio.org, we had a poster post a question in our forum entitled, um, well, it's in the theological pondering section, and it's entitled, How Did Jesus Do Miracles? And this person is saying that he was talking to some uh, charismatic friends of his, and they were uh, telling him um, that w- when Jesus performed miracles on earth, Jesus did not perform miracles himself, but rather it was the Holy Spirit working through him. And so, uh, th- and so they can carry this through then be- because now we can, uh, they would say, perform miracles because it's the Holy Spirit working through us. Now, I want to respond to this first and then because, Pastor, you and I were talking about this uh, last week about this. So I want to respond to this first, and you can kind of correct me. Okay, uh, I look forward to that. <laughs> but, see, I, th- I, I think this is very dangerous because it, it almost gives a, a hint of um, the Christian heresy adoptionism, where, where Jesus is just a man, but at, at his baptism he receives his div- uh, divinity, and then it leaves at the cross when he gives up the, the Spirit, uh, which, is, which denies the two natures of Christ. So I, I think we want to avoid this altogether and, and proclaim what the Bible teaches, that uh, when Jesus performed miracles, he was uh, doing them according to his divine nature, as God God the Son. Um, and so how do you respond to that? Well, yeah, that's fine. Do you have, a, by the way, a text that uh, will make that connection, that Jesus is doing his miracles by his divine nature? <laughs> re, re, re. <laughs> that's cricket sounds for those of you listening out there. Re, re, re. Well, how about this? I've got one. I've got one for you. Uh, when Jesus calms the storm, remember the calming of the sea? And they say, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? So that his calming of the sea is an indication of, of who he is, that he is both God and man. Uh, so, that the, so that that miracle, at least we know, is, is one worked by the divine nature of, of Christ in the one person uh, of Jesus. So, uh, so we have some of the miracles worked by... Jesus through his divine nature other miracles though are worked by the by the power of the spirit for example the very 
remember Jesus' first sermon that he preached in, this is in Luke 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So there Jesus is, is quoting Isaiah 42, I believe, and saying, I, ha- I am the one that bears fully the Holy Spirit. And, and in fact, he'll go even further. When the, he's having the debate with the Pharisees about how he casts out demons, he says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do you remember that text? Yeah. So, so that you have both. Sometimes it, Jesus is working uh, his miracles by his divine nature. At other times, he's, he's performing miracles by the Holy Spirit. But then maybe this is the, the point. The two don't conflict with each other. In fact, according to Psalm 46, if I remember right, we have this promise that the Messiah will possess the Spirit in full measure. I will anoint you with the oil of gladness above all of your fellows. And uh, Hebrews quotes that text to show that Jesus is the, the greatest, that he is divine, because he possesses the Spirit in full measure. So that Jesus works miracles by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that he's any less divine uh, or adopted this sort of thing, but rather it in fact shows the opposite, that just as the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son, now the Holy Spirit proceeds from Jesus, both God and man together. So let, let's frame the answer this way. Let's say you're hanging out at the Pentecostal convention like you usually are, and someone comes up and asks right. you this question. You know, with with two minutes to respond, how do you? What, what do you say to this person? So they come up and they say what? They say, "Hey, Jesus worked miracles by the Holy Spirit, so that means we can work the same miracles today." Right. Uh, well, maybe the easiest response is, "Well, show me, show me the miracles," because miracles are given. Remember why miracles are given in the scriptures. Uh, to prove that the words being spoken by the miracle worker are the words of God. So that uh, miracles only benefit the particular person who's miracleized. (laughs) Is that a word? No, that's worse than (laughs) gospel-y last week. (laughs) So, so, I mean, for example, here's the lame man that Jesus heals, and who does the healing benefit? Well, just this one guy. But the words that Jesus speaks afterwards benefit all of us, all who hear. So it's the word is the main thing, and the miracles come along to to give us the comfort that the words being spoken are the very words of God. And so if someone comes along and they say, hey, we can work the same miracles, you can say, well, you know, show me the miracles to confirm the word that you're saying. Uh, but but that's it's just not how God calls uh, people into his office of preaching today uh, anymore this this working of these these miracles i i think it it would kind of depend on the anthropology because the <laughs> yes, because why? How, now, what's just, coming next? I just is like to giggle after points. I say that. <laughs> no, because um, <laughs> because it, it changes. You were so okay. pleased with yourself. <laughs> All right, forget. It. I'm going to use it later. <laughs> but no, why? You're right. I mean, it depends on uh, on what you think of man. Is, is uh, do we possess the Spirit as Jesus possessed the Spirit? Well, clearly no, absolutely not. But do we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had? Well, yes, 
And that's the marvelous fellowship we have with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that, is that through the death of Jesus, we are now cleansed of our sin and, and so that the Holy Spirit and really the whole Trinity can take up residence in us. Uh, it's a marvelous gift that comes from the cross of Jesus. But, but to kind of use that to be able to say, now I've got all sorts of power to work these miracles, th- this is just a, a kind of abuse of God's grace. His grace comes so that we might know without a doubt that God loves us and that he, he's forgiven our sins and that he will have us in eternity forever. All right, next up, praise song cruncher. Hey. Then after that, we're going to do some myth busters to the myth. To the myth. Do Lutherans, or Lutherans don't evangelize. That's a myth. Uh, check out our website, Table Talk Radio, during this break and post on our forum. You can respond to our discussion, How Does Jesus Perform Miracles? You can find the discussion going on in the forum right now. We'll be right back after this commercial break to more Table Talk Radio. You really are listening to Table Talk Radio. So you're in church listening to your praise songs, and you, you start to wonder, is, is there any criteria out there to... Judge these whether these are good praise songs or not. Well, well, thanks I'm for glad you asked. <laughs> I get that question all the time, all the time, and uh, I we, know. this is why we put it together on Table Talk Radio. The uh, criteria for discerning the usefulness of praise songs is the boring title. The more exciting title is Praise Song Cruncher, and that's what we're doing cruncher, today. Cruncher, cruncher. And we actually had the first song emailed in to us. Um, I should probably know who emailed that into us. We are taking requests at the Praise Song Cruncher. <laughs> we do that regularly, so you can go ahead and spin in your favorite requests. <laughs> Crunching. Yeah, everybody likes requests. to crunch their favorite praise songs. Yeah. Oh, this is this is uh, from Tim. So Tim, thank you for sending in this the praise song, and this the song is. In fact, if you guys wanted to dedicate a praise song, <laughs> oh goodness, we could take dedications as well. This one goes out to the one I love. Oh, man. That's scary. (laughs) Okay, so this is uh, Missy Stevens, and uh, the song is titled Always On My Mind. This is is one of your favorite songs, isn't it, Pastor? Uh, What is it? Always On My Mind? Always On His Mind. Did I say His Mind? I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. All right. Nothing's changed. All right, here it is.
Did I praise? Did I play the right track? Or is I, did, I, did I get that confused with the songs you used to sing to Carrie when you were dating? <laughs> I was going to sing the Willie Nelson song. Always on my mind. <laughs> well, let's look at some of the questions that we used to discern whether these praise. Songs... Yeah, but there's a tricky business in this song because you, it's always on his mind, but but it's the song is all about how he's always on my mind. Yeah, and this then is a... what what wasn't sung was uh, the following lyrics. Did you have these? I emailed them to you. Did you get I just them? Pu- I just found them. Okay. Yeah, Though his name them. is holy, I'm always on his mind. I'm always on his mind. Though I'm weak and lowly, the Lord thinks about me. Though he's high and lofty, I'm always on his mind. I'm always on his mind. I'm in love with God. God's in love with me. Yeah, hey, repeat. <laughs> <laughs> That's your favorite rubric. Repeat. <laughs> How far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? Repeat. What does that mean? Okay, we better crunch this sucker. Okay, so let's see I like how the this last works. line. Hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah. Repeat. <laughs> and there's a button we here by the lyrics to send always on his mind ringtone to my cell phone. I wonder if I should do that. <laughs> I'm trying to resist the temptation. Yeah, wait for, wait for that middle schooler to be around to show you how to do it. Okay, so the first question is, is Jesus mentioned yes or no, if yes, in name or concept? No. No, I don't. I no see Lord. Jesus. I see Lord, but no Lord, Jesus. yes. See, so you, the way that you got to work this out is you got to, if it says Lord, it still could be talking about Jesus or not, but there's got to be something about Jesus, like, uh, Lord, you used to be dead or... Now you're not, or Lord, you came to die for me, or you know some sort of something indicating that the Lord mentioned is the Lord who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, etc. But there's no indication of that. So, no so, Jesus, no Jesus. Okay, clarity is the song clear? Does it use sentence? Uh, does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object, or sentence fragments? Um, I think mostly sentence fragments. I mean. You you get a few sentences towards the end where it says, uh, "Though I'm weak and lowly, the Lord thinks about me." Yeah, Lord, I will seek you. That's the first line. On my bed, think upon you. That's kind of a strange line. I guess the Psalms speak of that. Yeah. With my whole heart, I'll love you. With my mind and my strength too. That's not. That's a fragment. Waste my life searching for you. That is a strange line. I wonder if it's trying uh, to imply that it's a waste to try and, I mean, in in the sense that, uh, and we've we've had this conversation before uh, when we've done praise salt crunching, but you know whether someone who is unregenerate can can actually seek after God. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not that. <laughs> You're really putting the best construction on that one. Uh, <laughs> Waste my life. That's a sentence fragment anyways. So I am, this one, for clarity, I think it's going to be right around a four. Is ten very clear and one very not clear? Right. I'm going to put this one at four. How does that suit you? Four. Okay. Mysticism is the next one. This is judging uh, subjectivity versus objectivity. And the question is, is the song clear about the things that God has done, which is the objective, or about my own emotions and experiences, which is the subjective? Does the song repeat the same phrases over and over in a hypnotic mantra? <laughs> I'd love that. 
I, I think the I think we do. monster part. <laughs> yeah, I think we do get. I the, learned that when I was reading uh, when I was reading the book how to how to uh, um, hypnotize your people from the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding! I don't have that book. We haven't Just played what's kidding. in your pastor's library for a while. We need to do that to hold you accountable. <laughs> Yes, this is a very mystical. I mean, uh, it's all about our emotions and even then God's emotions towards us, which I think is nice. This business about I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks on me. I mean, that's kind of that's a nice idea right there. Uh, so you, you've got something to work with. But the but the most of it is how we're um, wasting our life, wasting our lives searching for him. Uh, I'm in love with God. Why isn't that capitalized, that God there? Um in the day I'll dream of you, etc. Yeah, this is very, very mystical. Well, the capitalization could be the fault of the lyric website. website so. yeah. um, this this reminds me of this one question criteria I heard one time. It doesn't really work with this one, but the, que- the, the one question was this. If you can take Jesus' name out and substitute it in with your girlfriend's name and the song still makes sense, then the song is heresy. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, so let's do that's it a pretty g- good start. <laughs> too too bad for you. You don't have a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you don't have any name to substitute. <laughs> it would just be like this: blank. I will seek you. I'm in love with nobody. Nobody's in love with me. <laughs> Maybe the person that wrote this song was in the same position, so they put "I'm in love with God." God's in love with me. Oh boy! Okay. So mysticism, high on the mysticism ladder. I think you're looking at eight point five or so, eight point seven. No, 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 ten is objective. Oh, okay. So uh, two. Have you not read um, this? I thought you wrote it. <laughs> it's been a while. I write it down so I don't have to remember it. Oh, okay. Okay, number uh, two. So put two, two or one point, one point three or something like that. One point, <laughs> one point five. Okay, one point five. It is. Uh, the, the fourth question is law and gospel. Does this song proclaim the law and its sternness and the gospel and its sweetness? The gospel, by the way, is the promise of the forgiveness of sins won for us through Jesus' death on the cross. Are law and gospel rightly divided and not mixed up? Is the law presented as something that we can do, or does it show us our sins? Is the gospel conditional based on my actions, decisions, or acceptance? So the question is law and gospel, uh, rightly divided, yes, no, or I can't tell. Well, it's it's strange, isn't it? The first part, which I, I'm not sure which is the verse and the, which is the chorus here, but this first part is a is a talking about how I'm keeping the law because I love God so much. Uh, with my whole heart, I'll love you. With my mind and strength, too. Waste my life searching for you. You're always on my mind. So, the the greatest commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so here's the song is singing about how we're keeping that commandment, but then it switches. Though I'm poor and needy, the Lord thinks on me. And so now it switches to, well, maybe I'm not doing so good. Maybe I'm not keeping the commandments. I'm, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm poor, I'm needy, I'm weak, I'm lowly, I'm, uh, and he's holy and he's lofty, and yet he thinks on me. That gets close to distinguishing law and gospel. Uh, but in the whole context of the song, it kind of unravels. So, uh, um, I mean, look, there's a, there's a lot of potential in this line here. Though I'm poor and needy, the Lord thinks on me. I mean, you could build a sermon around that thing there. Right, but when but you put I, it in the context of all of this whole thing, you, you really kind of lose it. And I was, I mean, you, it kind of depends on what you mean by the needy, too. I mean, uh, on one hand, you could talk about, you know, 
Why are you laughing at? You're thinking about the girlfriend. No. <laughs> no. I, I was. <laughs> no, I was referring to you. Could you could view it in the right sense in the fact that we're you know we're lost without without God's forgiveness. Um, but I mean, you could also substitute it as kind of a prosperity gospel. I mean, as far as you want to take it, I'm needy or having an emotional need or need a girlfriend, you know, whatever. I mean, you could, you could substitute whatever you want in there. <laughs> whatever, whatever. No, no. <laughs> how this last line is strange as far as that goes to how far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? Repeat. Now I, I, I'm not exactly sure what is going on here because there's this there's a strange sort of language with this waste my life and how abandoned and all of this uh, is um, is this idea that we're kind of casting ourselves out there to this unknown sort of thing. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. You see the idea there? And th- this is exactly the opposite of the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel is where God reveals his very heart to us in his bleeding and dying son. So then we... Uh, so we see, oh, you're not abandoning me. You're forgiving me. You're having me. And, and all these questions are answered. Well, we have so, one more question on the Praise Song Cruncher. Is there any explicit false teaching? We'll find out the answer to that question right after this commercial break. Don't go away for more Praise Song Cruncher. Cruncher. No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Though his name is holy, I'm always on his mind. I'm always on his mind. Though I'm weak and lowly, the Lord thinks about me. Though he's high and lofty, I'm always on his mind. I'm always on his mind. That's the praise song that we are crunching. It's entitled Always on His Mind by Misty Edwards. And we're to the last question. Is there any explicit false teaching in this song? Pastor, do you see any? Well, if we could sort out what this waste my life searching for you meant, I think there might be some false teaching behind there. I've, I've noticed this, whole, this This last question usually ends up with a question mark when the number three question on mysticism is low. Yeah, or, that's or, right. Excuse me, the number two question, um, clarity. When it's, when it's unclear and mystical, these go together, then you, you can't sort out what it's teaching at all. So it's like, well, it could be false teaching if it was teaching. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, it's asking. It's like asking if if the uh, fire hydrant has false teaching in it. Well, it's not doing any teaching at all. It's just sitting there, you know, <laughs> waiting for a fire. So that uh, th- that's kind of how the song. I mean, it's not supposed to be teaching. So, and and this is kind of the, the isn't this the nice thing about the praise song cruncher is you can realize that songs don't the, the we don't want to simply come to a song and say hey is there false teaching in there that's not enough that's not the only question we can ask and and people try to play this trick uh they they pick their favorite praise songs and and plop them down there in church and and then you say hey i don't know, i don't like this praise song business and they say well there's no false teaching there's no false teaching there <laughs> and and now what and you're like oh well i guess it's true there's no false teaching um but there 
it's it's there if there is you, you could say well there's no teaching at all so that's the problem so under under that criteria you should have fire hydrants in your in your shirt <laughs> right or you could sing the willie nelson song <laughs> she's always on my mind okay well I, I, we should probably move on to the next praise song so we have time for the last game all which right. is Mythbusters. Um, but this, the second song is, by the way, in the number four on the CCLI chart, and it's called Mighty to Save. This is performed by Hillsong. That's I like that part. <laughs> That's pretty much the cool. entirety of the entire song. With uh, in the last chorus, it switches to the second person. So you're the savior. You can move mountains. The only other exception is uh, there's this one stanza that says, "Shine your light and let the world see you're singing for the glory of the risen King Jesus." So that, other than that, that that's, you heard the entire song right there. So. Okay, let's let's start running through this uh, praise song crunch. And number one, Jesus is Jesus mentioned? Yes, no, if yes, in name or concept. Yes, Jesus is mentioned. This song is much much better than the previous one. That's for certain. All right. Uh, number uh, two, in that Jesus is there. He's and he, what he's he's dying. He's rising, and he's moving mountains, and he's saving us. Now, where does Those it say he's he dying? Oh, now did you uh, did you catch me on that? Let's see if because well, I mean, it says you conquered the grave. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I guess he I guess and conquered the grave. Yeah. So you got to get into the grave first. But you might be right. Hey, look at that. I, I mean, I just noticing the chorus. It, it kind of skips over. I mean, it goes. You can you can move mountains. Uh, God is mighty to save. I mean, God's almightiness to move mountains doesn't really do much good to save me. It's really in His humiliation to to enter the flesh. Right. Yeah, you, I think you're right. I think I must have been thinking that because the little YouTube video over here on the side of the page that you sent me has the crosses there on it. So, I mean, that could have been it. But uh, ah, you're you're right. Yeah, very very astute observation. I, I think I deserve points for that. Five points. <laughs> okay, thanks. Okay, so it kind of skips over, but then it goes. Uh, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Okay, so yep. Jesus yep. is mentioned though for sure. Yep. Cla- clarity is the song clear? Does it use sentences with uh, subject, verb, object, or sentence fragments? This is uh, it's a mix, but it's a lot of fragmentation here. Um, he is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. That's a fragment. He rose and conquered the grave. That's a sentence. Uh, so take me as you find me, sentence, all my fears and failures, sentence fragment, fill my life again, sentence. It's like every other one, so let's put it right at five. Five, I think, is fair. Okay, the next question, mysticism. Uh, is it subjective or objective, ten being objective? Well, interact. What how, What do you think of this? You, you're paying attention to the lyrics. How do you rank it? <laughs> 
Um, it, it really is talking mostly about the things that God does. I mean, the only subjectivity you find, okay, I give my life to follow. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, everything I believe in, I, now I surrender. That's a weird line, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's awfully subjective. But other than that, it's, it's pretty objective. It's talking about, um, God, uh, what God does. Um, is that line talking about surrendering everything you believe in? I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. I surrender. This is the problem with not having proper sentences. Because who knows what you're surrendering? Are you, are you surrendering because of everything you believe, or are you surrendering everything you believe? Dear Hillsong, please write in sentences. <laughs> Your English teacher would not be impressed. <laughs> I want to know what I'm saying. <laughs> or maybe better, I want to know what I'm crunching. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay, you want to give this one a number then? On subjective, For what are we doing again? Subjective, subjective, objective? I think you're right. It's mostly objective, which is what, 10? So uh, so maybe put it around a seven and a half. Okay, 7.6. We'll give it a six, 7.6. Nice. Okay, then long. We're singing for the glory of the risen king. That's another, that's actually objective. See, we're singing. <laughs> I like that. Uh, where you, when you're singing about what you're singing about. <laughs> right. Um, okay, law gospel. Is it uh, properly divided without commingling the two? Um, hmm. Well, you have a little law here at the beginning. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a savior. The hope of nations. Although, here's the first part, though. Everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. I, I guess that's uh, fine. So that's a little law. And then comes in the chorus to the rescue. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He's mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So you do have a bit of a law gospel structure there. Uh, could we be so bold as to say that the law gospel structure... Um, uh, actually propels these songs closer to the top. Do you think that's uh, uh, just dumb luck? Uh, that there's a, a an echo of law gospel in the song, and so it echoes in the hearts of the people singing it, because uh, uh, because we inherently know our sinfulness and therefore our need. Uh, or so I shouldn't say inherently. Christians know by the by the scriptures their sinfulness and therefore their need for the Savior. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, our old Adam is always trying to commingle the two also. I, mean, I know, I know. So you do have this business of I give my life to follow everything I believe in, and I'm singing of the glory. So it kind of is a, a confusion there of law gospel. It's this kind of classic confusion about how man is the one who grabbed, grabs on to the grace of God, and so it's up to us to do it. So it's a bit confused there. If it was clearer, we might be able to be a little more sure on this. But um, uh, I'm going to say uh, the law gospel is present but weak and slightly commingled. <laughs> Maybe you need a 1 to 10 scale on this question, too. I know. I should put All it right. in there. All right. Well, well, there you have it. Okay, last we're, last. we're not supposed to crunch the cruncher. <laughs> yes, that's without critique. Um, number five, is there any explicit false teaching? I'm looking for infused grace. <laughs> I'm looking hard, but I can't find it. You seem to pick hymns without infused grace. Um, I don't think there is false doctrine. Okay. 
No false starts. Okay, but this one did better than the last one, but still a lot much better. Probably not quite uh, up to par. This is the kind of song that I would say if you want to have in your car uh, while you drive uh, to the the uh, market yes. or whatever. <laughs> The store? Where do you drive to? <laughs> I don't even know. I just drive to church and I drive home. <laughs> uh, if you if you have if you want to listen to this while you're driving uh, to make shut-in calls or whatever, then that would be <laughs> fine. But don't bring it into church. That's how I would uh, rank this song. Okay, how about that. There, there it is. And what about the first one? Would, would you allow that one in the car? No. Okay. <laughs> don't let it near your children. Don't let them start singing about how they're wasting their life seeking God. Always on my mind. Okay. Right, Put on Willie Nelson instead. <laughs> we need to go to a break. I can't believe it's already out of time, but we have what? one more game uh. left, and that is Mythbusters. And we're uh, going to put the question, or put the, I guess, the, the myth to the test. Lutherans don't evangelize. Is that true, or will it be busted? We'll find out right after this commercial break. We are taking your uh, question. We're, we are now starting a new game called Stump Pastor Wolf Miller. And the number to enter for that is 866-851-5523. And 500 points to anyone who can stump Pastor Wolf Mueller. 866 should be the subtitle of our whole show, Stump Me. <laughs> That's all you ever do, brother. All right, we'll be right back. Playing Mythbusters right after this commercial break. Table Talk Radio, where theology meets immaturity. We're back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, Pastor Wolfman there has these 14 theses on Lutheran evangelism, which I caught him nailing to the door of the steward of evangelism at his church. <laughs> That's right. But these boom, boom, boom. <laughs> 14 theses. I'm hoping to have 100 million theses by the year 2017, but I've just started with 14. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> um, we uh, this is this is the criteria by which we're going to be evaluating the myth. Um, Lutheran don't evangelize. So, how do we do this? Just go through these, read them off. What's thesis number one? Well, look at this. Is what I think. I think that the, uh, how this goes is th- this is the big problem. Is uh, the, the way that it generally works out is that. If Lutheran, the Lutheran Church has adopted some sort of evangelism program, it it didn't come from Lutherans. They they hire some consultant or some, I don't know, D. James Kennedy comes up with something, or you have some sort of evangelism program, and then the Lutherans get a hold of it and they say, oh, yeah, this sounds great. We Usually about do this, twenty but years later. Just, yeah, twenty years later, and we just mentioned baptism about every fifteen pages. Write baptism in the margin, and then now you got a, some sort of Lutheran evangelism thing. So that when when Lutherans try to adopt or or bring in some sort of evangelism program or evangelism training, they they get it from non-Lutheran sources. So uh, so then what develops in the church is a kind of antagonism against it. Those people who treasure Lutheran doctrine are kind of wary of evangelism programs because every single program they've ever seen is a uh, uh, is an abandoning of Lutheranism. On the other hand, uh, there are those people who are particularly interested in the task of evangelism, and so they go out to look for stuff, and they can't find any Lutheran anything, so they go and find it from the Baptists or whatever. Uh, so this is the kind of 
mess of a situation that we've got. So what these theses are trying to do is just to begin with our Lutheran doctrine and and then bring forth what evangelism uh, looks like, what it is. And mostly the way to do that is to ask the question, how does God convert a man, a, a sinner, an unbeliever? How does he do it? Uh, he, he is the one that does it, after all, not us, so we have to pay attention to, to, to how he does it. Now, here's a little history on this. You ready for history? Yeah, I'll get my pillow. <laughs> Good. Tell me when you got it. Got you it. remember this? Con- so the, the Lutherans come along, and they, say, they answer the question, what are the causes of conversion? And they have two. Do you remember the two causes of conversion? What? I was getting my pillow. What? <laughs> the two causes of conversion are, don't worry, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, God's Word. In fact, the two are working together. The Holy Spirit working through God's Word converts a man. Well, then what happens, though, and, and this is the in the history of the Reformation, uh, uh, Luther dies, and Melanchthon kind of goes nuts, and he adds a third thing to the list. So Melanchthon adds the Holy Spirit, God's Word, and the uh, cooperating will of man. Now, there's a debate about this, how far Melanchthon went and everything, and it changes every 20 years. Uh, a new thing to think about Melanchthon is in style. So but let's just say he, he comes and adds a third cause of conversion. Fine. But that's wrong. It's false. But the state we're in today is even worse because not only does the world, the kind of American evangelicalism or general Christianity, uh, uh, have have the will of man as part of conversion, they've taken out the word of God. So if you were to go to your standard kind of evangelical church or look at your standard um, evangelism program or something like this, they would basically have two causes of conversion, the Holy Spirit, sort of, and the will of man. The will of man is what's featured. It's the decision for Christ, the handing your life over, uh, this sort of thing. So so what we have to do if we're going to craft a Lutheran theology of evangelism is we have to add back in God's word as the chief mechanism through, or means through which the Holy Spirit converts man, and we have to take out the will of man as a part of conversion. Now, that uh, wake up and tell me what you think about that. Uh, actually, I, th- I think that's pretty good um, from from what I uh, heard. <laughs> but, no, I think you're right though, because um, what what most of these evangelism programs uh, focus on, like you said, is man. So we're, we're, what we're focusing on is man's response, or, or even just raw numbers or attendance. You know, to get people into the seats um, is really just the main focus. Uh, right, rather than conversion. You, in fact, you don't even hear the talk of conversion anymore. I, some people just don't. Lutherans don't like the word conversion because you can't even. It's it's almost impossible to imagine recovering it as the work of God in making an unbeliever into a believer. But the language we have now is not unbeliever, but rather unchurched or underchurched or seeker or uh, what else? All this kind of language. But we got to be clear on this. The natural state of man is in rebellion towards God. And that's where we have to start then. So what we got theses. I got these 14 theses. All right. Here's, here's theses two. Natural man is blind, dead, an enemy of God. That's our anthropology about original sin. Oh, I should have let you. Oh. <laughs> Wait, let me read number two for you. Natural man is All dead right, and ahead. an enemy of God. That's anthropology of original sin. Hey, hey, do I get points for that? <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I've never heard such a well-stated <laughs> sentence. 500 points. And therefore cannot cooperate with God in conversion. It must be stated plainly that the will of man plays no part in conversion. Therefore, all attempts to induce an emotional response for God and other such 
what what <laughs> shenanigans <laughs> revival shenanigans that's a technical term that's my my buzzword for you this? next week go ahead shenanigans <laughs> will be carefully avoided never would an unbeliever be told that he must accept jesus or receive him or open his heart or pray a prayer such things are impossible any discussion of evangelism that speaks or implies man's cooperation takes glory from god and robs consciences of comfort that's a problem Moreover, man is natural man is hostile to God. That's original sin again. Therefore, Lutheran Church expects persecution from the Lord, uh, from the uh, of the Lord's word and His people. You want me to read this? <laughs> Why? Never mind. Go ahead. Was I reading it like you? No, no, no. go ahead. Tripping all over my tongue. <laughs> so, so, but if we now, and this is maybe the point. Okay, so man's will is out. Well, what then does God do to convert a man? How does he do it? This is where our Lutheran doctrine is so fantastic and clear, is that the Holy Spirit uses means, what we call the means of grace, what our confessions call the means of the Spirit. And that's, I think, quite wonderful, because the the means of grace are tools that the Holy Spirit is using to deliver to us God's Word, to create in our hearts faith and sustain that faith. And the means of grace that the Holy Spirit uses is God's Word. And those things which he attaches his word to. For example, water. Water in the word, you got baptism. About the Lord's body and blood and bread and wine with the word of promise, you got the Lord's Supper. Uh, or simply the word of promise spoken, which is the absolution. And, and this is the means by which the Holy Spirit uses uh, to convert the sinful heart of man. Okay, so if God gives us means by which the Spirit works, uh, like through the Word, through water, then these are the means which we should use to to deliver God's gracious gifts to his people. That's right. So so the, the Holy Spirit is always working through the law to convict us of sin and the gospel to give us faith. And, and, and so we know that what the Lord has set us in, in this world to do is to speak his word of law and his word of gospel. And that's all then you need as far as evangelism training goes. You simply need the, to know the, the law, the Ten Commandments, and the gospel, the creed. And then to have a bit of courage to speak it to your neighbor when they ask you about it uh, or when the opportunity arises. And it's just that simple. Okay, so we are... Let, let us not forget that what we're doing here is we're evaluating the the statement the the myth Lutherans don't evangelize uh, so so far how are we looking I think this I mean I would like to totally bust this myth I mean absolutely bust it in fact I would <laughs> because the Lutheran Church is the only church which has the gospel um, the law and the gospel rightly divided and clearly articulated, we might be able to say the opposite is true, is that the Lutheran Church is the only church that does evangelism. If we understand evangelism as the preaching of the Lord's law in its, in its, uh, in its full ferocity and the gospel in its full sweetness. Pastor, in fact, oh yes, go ahead. I was just say, Pastor Wolfmiller's email address is prbw at tabletalkerradio.org. He's happy to hear from you. Go ahead. I am. Uh, this, I mean, this de- kind of declarative, authoritative word that sins are forgiven, the authority that Jesus gives his church when he breathes on his disciples, his Holy Spirit, and says, whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven, and whoever sins you bind, they're bound. This is, this is where Jesus is handing his church over to the task of forgiving the sins of all the world. And so, as, so evangelism is the church going out with this very clear word your sins are forgiven. In fact, we could define it this way, and this is at the end of, what, thesis 11. 
the gospel is the authoritative declaration of sins forgiven, the absolution. In fact, the central act of evangelism is not asking the unbeliever to come to Jesus, but rather, in the name of Jesus, forgiving the sins of the unbeliever. Evangelism is the church speaking the absolution to the world. This is not... This is not the infused grace of God somehow delivering this substance. It's the imputed grace of God, his smile towards us. And the church goes out with this word that God is not mad at you. He's delighted with you because of the death of Jesus, and he smiles upon you. Okay, I have a question for you. Yes? Do you consider yourself to be a procrastinator? Why? Because you always get your buzzword in the last minute of the program. (laughs) (laughs) I am a procrastinator. Okay. Well, actually, we're out of time. So quickly, busted or confirmed? Busted. Totally busted. Busted. Out of the water. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio, where the points are like a diaper in the swimming pool. They do you no good. (laughs) Trust me on that one. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.